When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the grievance room, everybody. I'm Taylor Jedrzak, and, and I definitely don't have any embarrassing Vegas stories to share today. With me, as always, is Ethan Forness, who has been to Vegas and may have some stories he'd rather keep to himself. How are you I doing got today? Ditched there, not married. No, no chapels for me. <laughs> Pro- probably for the best. Um. In today's episode, which can be heard as a part of the Waiting for Next Year and Evergreen Podcast Networks, we welcome in fellow WFNY contributor and resident draft expert, Joe Gilbert. How you doing today, Joe? Good, guys. How are you? Doing well and uh, getting through the draft uh, this weekend was kind of fun, so kind of rehabbing after that. You were <laughs> yeah. a busy man. <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was a busy weekend for the Browns. Nine picks. Yeah, how, how does it feel to kind of, you know, all that work you put into it, now it's it's over and you get to kind of detox for a couple of weeks? It's it's nice. It's kind of like, it's sort of like Christmas almost. <laughs> kind of like <laughs> a day after Christmas, kind of get up, just kind of relax and settle on out there. But yeah, it was it was fun three days and uh, kind of weird seeing the Browns not be in the first first day, but uh, it was it was fun fun weekend. Yeah. I mean, it was certainly an interesting draft. Um, yeah, yeah. Not not short for any uh, interesting stories. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So as as we get into the show here, um, like we did last time, and as we're gonna do every time going forward, the the guest it ha- has to lead with his own grievance. You gotta you gotta you gotta pay your dues per se. Yeah. Um, so what what's uh, what what do you, what do you got for us? Uh, well, mine is surrounding the draft. It's the uh, it's just the Baker Mayfield kind of conversation that I consistently had to hear for the over the last three days on uh, on NFL Network, ESPN, just just how the Browns screwed up this whole situation, even though they got a franchise quarterback out of it, and Baker is still on the team, um, and they're kind of kind of swaying the Browns like he's they're holding him hostage like a hostage is making 18 million dollars which is <laughs> certainly an interesting way to think about it but um you can hold yeah. any hostage for 18 million right I know I think, I think I think we would all do that um, I mean yeah. I mean to be fair if anyone wanted him we wouldn't he wouldn't still be right right so. yeah that's that's the thing that I keep coming back to like what what do you want us to do if no one wants to we're not going to just cut bait and have to pay eighteen million dollars for nothing. They're gonna yeah. keep on trying to trying to trade them. It was just a, it was just annoying. They just kept repeating the same thing and kind of the same old story on it. But yeah, that's my grievance for uh, this weekend. It's it's certainly kind of a, a weird weird discourse because you know that they they tried to do everything they could to get get him out and get him to a good place, but yeah none of those places want him. I mean, right. the Seahawks still don't have anyone. They didn't draft anyone. The Panthers 
traded up for Matt Corral, who, as a part-time Panthers fan, I'm not really <laughs> eh, I'm, 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 I'm yeah. not sold on him, but I'm not like I'm not totally against it. Like I would have been them overdrafting Kenny Pickett at six, right? Right. But yeah, it's it's a situation where I don't think either side has really played its cards right. I think some of the stuff that leaked out from the Browns early on about him being a problem and yeah. wanting an adult, which calling Deshaun Watson as, as an adult debatable. Right. I don't know if we want to go down that rabbit hole today. Yeah. Ethan might. Um, it, it kind of, well, I, I'm purposely going to hold myself back from that, but it does kind of speak volumes <laughs> that the Panthers would rather punish themselves with Matt Corral who is yeah. arguably not that good, that right. the Texans would rather run with Davis Mills than take Baker Mayfield back in exchange for Deshaun Watson, and that the Seahawks gave, I think, $7 million to Geno Smith to come back and compete with. Right. Who's, who's the quarterback they Drew got? Drew Locke. From? Yeah, Drew to Locke. compete with Drew Locke for the starting job. I mean, I get that it's $18.1 million, but for three of those teams being hard rebuilders, you could eat that for a year. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's only a year of 18 million. Obviously, I think the Browns are willing to cut, well, willing to pay some of it. But like, it, it it's a clear sign that it's not the Browns or anything like that. It's that teams just don't aren't interested right now, and that's why I think the Browns are actually smart, just kind of letting it go because things happen closer to training camp. You, you have all these practices during the summer, and uh, if the Seattle Seahawks figure out that Drew Locke is crappy Bad. and Geno <laughs> Smith is crappy, that you're gonna you're gonna come back to the table, and I think that's what the Browns are kind of kind of hoping for. Yeah, I mean, you don't hope for injuries, but you know they're kind of inevitable, and right. I, I think that that's another thing that the Browns are kind of waiting for at this point yeah. because. So I mean, not you're not gonna you're not gonna keep him on the roster. Um, I don't think there'd be a situation where he's in the same kind of "we'll pay you to go away" that Deshaun Watson was in last year. So, yeah, it's yeah. It, it's a weird one for sure. It is. Yeah, it's it just the the way they were just talking about it, like like the draft was like the deadline. Like it's not the deadline. There's clearly, and then they kept bringing up that. Oh, maybe they'll try to they'll try to have him play this year as like the backup. Like that's not happening. We, we no, all know I, that's I, not that happening. That that the, bridge was not burned. It was yeah. uh, nuked and vaporized. Right. As the resident baseball guy, deadlines don't matter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um. Speak, speaking of Ethan and his many grievances. What, what do you got for us this week? I'm going to keep it relatively tame this week, and this is more so just an observation in my lifetime of Browns fandom. And I understand that this was a weaker draft class all around. There was no consensus, this guy's a can't-miss type prospect. But at the same time, when you're the Browns and your first pick is at 44, why do you always incessantly trade down later in the draft and me, who has probably the lowest significantly by far football IQ in this trio right now, when I can look at the roster and say, oh, 44, there's a ton of great receivers on the board, but you trade back 20 picks and take a cornerback. 
the, this is something that I've always noticed as a Browns fan, and it's always driven me insane where it's just like, yeah, maybe these drafts aren't the strongest, but to get better, you kind of want to take the best available guy that's going to help you. And I don't know anything about this cornerback, but just some of the names that you missed out on. John Mechie, Alabama wide receiver, got taken in the pick that you traded. You missed out on David Ojabo, uh, Tyquan Thornton. I, I'm not even going to say that I know who that is from the, the the Patriots took. But George Pickens went to your rival in the Steelers, and I'm going to hate if that pans out. Uh, Sky Moore got taken. Uh, I think Sky know, Moore was taken before 44. Sky Moore was taken at 54. This is, I'm oh. reading all these between our pick, the Browns, uh, and the, the pick that they traded. So. Yeah. You know, for, for a guy who didn't necessarily think this was the best draft class, but obviously knew the limitations and the weaknesses of this roster before re-signing potentially Jadev Young Clowney, it just seems like a terrible idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely see that. It's for someone who, I mean, even I, when we got down to like near 70 where we actually made our first pick, I was like, I'm starting to run out of guys that I recognize. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, and like and I, I, I think that's definitely where you were around 55. And well, that's the thing though. Like I live in Columbus and this town is Ohio State Buckeyes 24/7 365. So like I knew a ton of these names as the guys in the Columbus radio scene are always talking about Ohio State's biggest competition nationwide and I'm not an Ohio State fan, but I will say listening to it kind of keeps me in the college football loop. So, like, I knew a lot of the guys that went up into into the fourth round. But, again, none of them were, like, can't miss guys to me. Like, when Andrew Barry says he had a first-round grade on guys into the sixth, I believe it in this draft because everybody's kind of mid. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was, uh, it was was an interesting decision. I, I, I didn't – I understood it because they got a they got a quite a good haul uh, in terms of tr- just the trade value chart and all that. But yeah, I can, I, I definitely understand. Like if you look at the guys you have, you don't really have a guy, you know, that it'll be right in. You can put in the lineup right away and be an immediate impact. Um, and for a lineup that's, or for a roster that's actually looking to uh, compete for a Super Bowl right now, they, I, I was I actually agree that you kind of wanted that for 44 because there's that Sky Moore as you were saying, George Pickens, who I was high on. Um, that was there for the uh, for the taking, and you could oh, probably you put him in all right there. I know. I, 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 I turned that around. I caught myself <laughs> on that one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it just um, yeah, none of our guys is. Uh, the draft picks just seem like they're going to be able to go right away and be an immediate impact guy. And, and we've seen over the past few drafts, second round guys can do that. And it was an interesting decision, but I understand because knowing Andrew Barry is always about value and all that. And the trade was pretty, pretty lopsided in terms of that, but and what, and what the Browns needed, I, I definitely can see why we should have just stayed there. So piggybacking off of that, you hit on it, and that's value. And the only pick that I really loved in this draft was uh, David Bell at 99. So that was the big possession receiver the Browns went after to, to be Amari Cooper's counterpart and somebody to take the, the pressure off of him. But at the same time, like the rest of the draft doesn't make the most sense in the world to me. I, I like the kicker. Obviously, that's been a, a frustrating point. And, and I know you were high on Cade York, but we'll get yeah. to him. Um, but, you know, taking Cincinnati's Mike Ford late in the draft when you already have Demetric Felton, DeAndre Johnson, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, 
et cetera, et cetera. Right. It didn't make a ton of sense to me either. And, you know, it, it was just a weird year. Yeah, it was, it's obviously hard because you're, you're picking so late in the draft and, and in, in those situations, you're not really picking for need. Um, but because the Browns don't ha- didn't have any higher up picks that you, you sort of needed to a little bit. Um, they did, they did uh, go heavy on the defensive line, which they very much needed. Um, the edge rushers, we don't have Jadavion Clowney signed uh, yet. And uh, the interior is just a, a who's who of just random, random names right now. Um, so it'll be, uh, I, I thought they did well on the defensive line, but yeah, just, it just, it's just hard when you don't have a high pick and you trade away your second highest pick, um, to move back. And it's, it's kind of hard to go for need when, when it's just a high variance of the people that are left on the board and you kind of have to just stay to your best player available. So I, I can see why, but it's definitely, it's what the Browns are going to be situated in for the next couple of drafts. Suppose yeah. that's fair. That, that's actually, that's actually a good, kind of a good point to jump into my grievance at my, I mean, it's, it's, it's a rather light hitting grievance, but it was, it was certainly a brand new experience to, watch what was potentially the wildest first round of my life and know that the Browns had no impact in it whatsoever. (laughs) So I I think it's going to be really weird going forward in the next two years that the Browns don't have that kind of ammunition in the first round to go up and get someone that has that game changing ability. And, you know, that's, that's the cost of Deshaun Watson, whether, whether or not you value what he is at three first round picks. I mean, I I guess that depends on where you are for his football playing and for his moral standing. But, you know, if the football standing part works out, then I think more people, more and more people will unfortunately kind of forget about the moral part of it. Um, So it's, it's going to be, kind of interesting going forward not having the browns be a part of early early drafts and get to kind of be a part of that fun um but i guess with with that with that out of the way what is uh joe what are kind of your impressions of the draft what of the class that the browns brought in yeah i i i overall like the guys that they got um Obviously, the first one was kind of kind of the head scratcher. Um, it made a little bit more sense once you heard about the Troy Hill trade, but it's still. I, I thought there was a lot of other guys that I liked on the board that was a little bit better at that point. Um, but if if like if you kind of like just go past that pick, I, I really like the rest of the draft. Um, I love that they got a kicker. <laughs> we we've been struggling with kickers ever since Phil yeah. Dawson who left, which is just. Which is he works like, out a little better than the last kicker we tried. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just it just seems like um, teams are getting a little bit better over the past few years of kind of drafting kickers. Uh, you had last year Evan McPherson. Um, and you just saw the impact of what he could do uh, for that Stud. team. Stud, yeah. He, how many just this whole division has just studs that kicker, so it was kind of it was a smart move trying to just kind of solve that for finally solving it, and 
I, obviously it's a it's a crapshoot, um, but I, I just thought he was a, a good selection. And then I thought that what they did on the defense line was very good. Um, Perry on Winfrey I thought was a steal. Um, he was in my top fifty, um, and they got him in the fourth round, beginning of the fourth round. So I thought he was their best pick of the, of the draft. And uh, yeah, I, I think he could be an immediate impact guy, just as a, like a rotational guy, because they don't really seem to covet interior defense alignment. So it might be that they just kind of do a rotation uh, type uh, situation. So um, I think he could definitely get in there and kind of help out this year. And then uh, just the rest of the draft, um, I could see, I know you were talking about uh, the running back earlier. Um, I could see their thinking on that um, because both Dearness Johnson um, and um, Kareem Hunt are on one-year contracts. The rest, uh, so after this year, we might be happy to look at running back. So, getting a little jump on that kind of uh, kind of makes sense right now. It just seems like a loaded uh, group, but we'll see on that. And then there's also no um, guarantee that De- uh, Dearness Johnson is going to be on the roster. Right, right. At the beginning of the season. Yeah, because yeah, I don't think he technically has signed. His, no, I don't think he has. Yeah, I his, think. His, exclusive rights or whatever it was. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's still up in the air. And I could definitely see someone getting traded in there. Um, and then the uh, David Bell, I just as an Ohio State fan over the past couple of years, so he's just been a he's been a killer for in the Big Ten. And uh, getting a guy productive like that, it actually seems like a kind of opposite of, um, of Schwartz from last year, like type of players. Yeah. He, he, Schwartz was just a super athletic guy, great speed, all that, but didn't really have the production. And then Bell, on the other hand, is super productive, but just didn't quite have the speed or athleticism that would have probably earned him a higher pick. So I thought that was a good selection and uh, maybe he can uh, work his way onto the field. But yeah, overall, yeah. I thought it was all right, uh, given what they had <laughs> there. They're, they're dealing with a little tough hand, given the trade and all that. So um, given what their draft capital was, I, I thought they were they did pretty well out of there. Do you um, – as far as as far as Bell goes, do you think that he was really good value at that point, given given his production in college? Yeah, I thought he was – I thought it was pretty, pretty where they thought they were going to go third round, maybe a little bit earlier in the third round, but – yeah, I thought it was a it was it was a good spot for him. Um, that athleticism is just a thing that kind of just cuts him cuts him down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but that production is it's it's probably one of the best in the whole entire draft. Yeah, it's kind it's kind of hard a, to ignore it. Right, it's a three year three year high production, which is yeah, not you don't see that very often, especially at wide receiver. Not just high production, but stepping up in the biggest games, too. It, yeah. it feels like against every ranked opponent, and somebody had pulled the stats that he had mm-hmm. absolutely crushed every ranked opponent he faced. But, yeah. you know, that, that's the kind of thing you look for. But, yeah. you know, do you think putting him in the slot across from Mari and just, you know, him catching balls across the middle while Mari's the deep threat, do you think that has any type of future success with potentially Deshaun Watson and or uh, oh, Jacoby Brissett uh, at quarterback? Yeah, I could definitely, I could definitely see that because um, Bell, I think, is a guy you want to kind of give him, give him kind of off coverage kind of situations. So in the slot would be a little bit better for him. 
working across the field. Um, he's very good at catching, which is a good thing for the Browns receivers based on what we've had. Um, so, yeah, just getting should, a guy should, that can... should be should be a prerequisite. <laughs> right, you, you would think, yes. But, yeah. It's, Calling uh, Braylon Edwards. Braylon Edwards. Braylon Edwards. OBJ the Greg Little days. It just seems like everybody that when they come here, they just cannot catch. <laughs> it's it's a it's a weird trait that happens. I don't know. Dwayne Bow caught some hands from some fans, but that's about <laughs> it. That's true. <laughs> that's very true. But yeah, it's uh, I I think he he could be a, a nice little match in in the slot uh, because he's a he's a physical guy. He's he's bigger than his size kind of tell like kind of shows, and uh, he's a very good hands catcher and. Kind of show he showed over his college career that he can make contested catches very well. Um, you can just watch the Notre Dame game um, last year. He made that uh, great diving, almost like an OBJ catch uh, in college. So, yeah, I think yeah. Uh, he'll be a good slot guy. Yeah, and that's something that the, the Browns have like pretty sorely missed the last couple of years with Jarvis being in and out of being hurt and ha- always having leg injuries and not being able to create the separation and. Baker seemingly not being able to find guys over the middle because he either double clutched or right. couldn't see them. Um, you know, that, that's been a kind of a part of the game that's been missing. So if they can, they can find that aspect of it, I think it opens up their offense just a little more because it backs linebackers off. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, and it's something that we kind of, we don't really talk about is with a franchise quarterback, like Deshaun top tier quarterback like that, he, he makes, the players around him better like baker wasn't that type of quarterback it's sort of like you needed the weapons around him to make him kind of be the top tier quarterback um it's the other way around for uh deshaun he he can make because if you look at his roster besides uh um hopkins and and the texans that he didn't really have much help and he was very highly productive there so yeah, yeah, it's uh it's an underrated thing with uh, getting Deshaun. He kind of makes things. You don't have to be super super highly product um, talented on the outside. He can he can kind of throw people open, as they say. Yeah. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts. What was um what what would you guys say is your favorite pick in the draft of the ones the Browns got? Uh, well, as I said, I think Perrion uh, Winfrey is is the best pick. Um, he was my top. He was a top fifty guy, um, and he he fits a huge need for him. So I, I just thought that was a perfect perfect fit and value and in for the need. So I thought I thought him Winfrey was the best. Yeah, it seemed. I, what was the reason you think he slid so far? Um, he sort of, he was, he's a little bit lighter for a defense alignment. Um, and he was out of position for most of his career at Oklahoma. He played nose tackle for some reason. 
um, and he's very, very light uh, for nose tackle. He should have been a three technique, but um, yeah, he's. Uh, I think just overall because the production is there, um, it, it just. I think it's just because the the interior defense line really the class didn't really get taken off the board that quickly or that much at all um, because you, you saw two in the first. Uh, first round, and I only I think only one or two went in the second. So I can see I think it, the whole class kind of got pushed down. I think the wide receiver class kind of pushed everybody down the, the board. They there's what I think like forget what the exact number was. It was like around twenty that won in the first two rounds, which is yeah, just a an insane amount. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Considering considering there was only one quarterback taken in that same span, right? Right. Which was also uh-huh. weird. <laughs> yeah. Ethan, what about you? What was your favorite guy here? So I've made it no secret that I'm a big David Bell guy, and getting him at 99 I think is a, a fantastic value. I mean, 6'2", 205, like you said, plays bigger than that size. You know, you got the sense that watching him at Purdue, he was like some 5'10", you know, small guy, but he's, he's a lot bigger than he looks on the field and, and plays like it too. And this may be one of the deepest wide receiver drafts we see in a decade. Browns had no shot at getting any of the big three and Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, or Jameson Williams. So, you know, I, I kind of had my hopes out for maybe a George Pickens. I have no faith in Traylon Burks, uh, the kid from Arkansas. I think he went 18th to Tennessee, I want to say, yeah. something like that. Um, A.J. Brown replacement. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's much. A.J. Of Brown at home. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, A.J. Brown at home is looking a lot like uh, not great. Uh, I, you know, I didn't have a lot of faith in anybody like that. I, I think they potentially missed out on a guy like Mechie, uh, who did really well at Alabama. But I, I think if, you know, that was your first crack at wide receiver that you chose to take a stab at as a NFL franchise, I think Dave Bell's pretty good at 99 in this deep of a draft class. Yeah. I think, I think my favorite pick and, you know, there's going to be some football purists and maybe, maybe you guys think, that it, it was probably an overdraft, but I think getting a kicker that you really like at that point in the draft, even though it's the fourth round and that's a sacrilegious to some, um, I, I think if he pans out, he's probably well worth even beyond that because kickers, if you can have a kicker for 10 years, that's just a part of your game. You don't have to worry about. And I think one of the more, underrated parts of the analytical approach is that I imagine they value kickers more than even we think they do because you realize how many games are won and lost by an extra point here or a missed field goal there. So if, if Cade York pans out, you have, you have a guy that you're going to have for a long time. Um, what, what do you, what do you think, Joe? What, what did you think about drafting a kicker at that point? Yeah, I thought it was. Uh, I think if if it wasn't you, it would have been somebody in the fourth round. Um, that was that seemed like the range of. I think he saw three other punters go in the third round or fourth yeah. round. So I thought it was the it was the right spot for him. Um, Daniel Jeremiah actually had him in his top one hundred and fifty, and he said that's the first time he's ever had him had a kicker in there in I think the last ten years or so. So it just shows you the kind of max the kind of talent that Cade York has. Um, and it, it's sort of the, the Browns, you know, like the young guy, like pick, picking young guys because they like guys that are have produced at a young age. And Cade York actually fits that perfectly. 
Um, he he came in, played right away at 18, um, and he's only 21, and he's played all three years at LSU, and obviously he's made so many big kicks there. So I just think I think the the value, the the time of being time of it, and then the player that they picked was the right um, right solution um, because they can't they could they couldn't go with Chase McLaughlin for the second straight year they just they they kept punting the kicker position down the road it just seemed like they kept kind of getting oh maybe this guy will work maybe this guy will work and uh that's just not the way to go anymore you gotta as you see just two of our biggest rivals Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens they have two elite kickers and it just shows you how much easier the game is with those guys like Baltimore, if you get over the forty yard line, it's it's, yeah, three, it's, it's three points. Field goal range, yeah, <laughs> right. It's three points. It's. I, it's I don't. I don't think the Browns range. were in field goal range last year until you didn't feel <laughs> safe until like they were at the twenty. Right. I didn't even feel safe then. Especially late in the season, he was just anything anything thirty five and beyond. You were kind of iffy on, and that's not where you yeah. should be as an NFL team. No, where's Ocho Cinco? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Seriously, he would have been a better option over the past few years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I I think that's where the value of drafting him is. It, like, it gives your offense a little bit more leeway to right. operate because you don't you don't have to go for it on fourth and five from the thirty three anymore. You have a kicker that made fifteen field goals from beyond fifty yards in college, which right. college kickers are a meme for a reason. So. <laughs> right, right, yeah, and that's a that's one of those things too. Is the Browns fans, especially last year, were kind of really, really strict, um, kind of mad about going for all those fourth downs. A lot of the reason was because they just didn't have a trusty kicker that could kind of go for it and kind of yeah. make those situations. Obviously, there's the analytics of it. You you always kind of lean towards going to a short fourth and short, but. In some of the situations, it, it seemed like just kicking a field goal would have been a better option, and that, that's uh, that's one reason why this pick is kind of a good one. They can have a trusty one there. Joe, I think I wonder, it was you in our private side Discord that shared the article that uh, LSU wouldn't let Cade handle kickoff duties because it was like 10 rows deep into the stands every time. Yeah. So yeah. if anybody needs any testament to Kid York's leg strength, right. they wouldn't let him losing, kick an LSU losing because too many guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I guarantee he'll be doing that in the NFL. I, I think the reason because they have different kind of kickoff rules in in college. Um, you kind of because you can fair catch now in the I think in front of the twenty. So I think they kind of wanted a little bit shorter kicks, but yeah, in the NFL, you kick it out of the end zone. Like yeah. just just watch Justin Tuck every every freaking time. He'll kick yeah, it out yeah. of his So it's gonna be nice to have a guy that can do that. Yeah, the Browns definitely wonder. had their fair share of special teams coverage issues last season right. too. So a guy right. who's gonna reliably not allow a return is also pretty welcome. Right. Yeah. Yes, definitely. And props to the Browns who are trying to be a respected team that they went out this offseason and fixed with their weakest link, which was their special teams. They yeah. got a punter that's really good and they well maybe not really good but good we got a kicker that yeah they got a kicker that hopefully that you hope to have for the next 10 to 15 years and you got a return man that actually is a return man and not a designated fair catcher <laughs> right. or a guy so, that thinks he's not and he can just lose his five yards or whatever but yeah, yeah. it's uh it's nice that they kind of 
they kind of have been ignoring it a little bit over the past few years. Um, so it was nice that they kind of went all in on on getting those positions fixed. Yeah, they, they got to a point in their in their we have to win now point where they realized shit. <laughs> we gotta actually, we gotta actually focus on this. We can't lose games like this anymore. <laughs> right? Yeah, definitely. Um, I I wonder if going forward that if some of these more analytical driven teams are going to value kickers like that in the draft. If there's if there is a kicker that is that good, if you're going to have that kind of draft value on kickers, or if it was just a product of this draft being so mid round heavy. Yeah, I think it. I think it's because I I, I kind of listen to some of the uh, analytics of like PFF. They had a draft show. They weren't too high on it, um, <laughs> so it kind of gives you a little back and forth on the analytics side. Um, it, it's I think it's just kind of value of the player, value of the player, which is, yeah. is kind of a one of the best ones to come out in a while, and then and just the big big need that the Browns had. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if it's actually a trend or if it's just kind of a one-off. Yeah. Do you obviously other uh, if if Cade York makes the team, he's going to have the most impact of any of the rookies. But other than him, who who do you guys think is going to have the most impact this season? Um, I would say probably as I've been talking about Perion, I think he's probably going to be in the rotation just. Based on on his talent, but also just on what they have there, um, they have Elliot, and then they have Togiai, and then not much else uh, right now, um, because they didn't sign any of, either of the Maliks back, and so mm-hmm. they're kind of short short staff there. So I think he, just based on kind of need, he'll be in there. Um, so I would I would probably say him. Yeah, you Ethan. I really want to believe in this Alex Wright kid from UAB just because his position and if something happens to Jet to hopefully they resign him, but it seems like a foregone conclusion at this point to a lot of people in the industry. But if something happens to Jadevian, it feels like anybody miles. That miles is going to benefit or miles for that for, for the sake of argument, because he has had some ankle injuries and some issues in his time in the league, but really want to believe in the, in the big, 6'4", 275-pound opposite defensive end from UAB, mostly just because I want to root for a dragon. But, you know, <laughs> it's it's one of those things where, like, until they get a big, splashy free agency to really shore up the defensive line, then he seems like one of those guys that could step in and have a bigger impact than, you know, Port Augustine or any of the other defensive ends they've shuffled in and out. Yeah. I actually... And whether or not he actually sees the field as much, you know, given the the injury history of our defensive backs, I actually kind of like Emerson to make an impact this year. I think he's going to fill nicely into the MJ Stort-sized hole that was vacated this offseason. I think having that kind of pr- physical presence in the defensive backfield is important because he, especially towards the end of the season, it seemed like MJ Stort was – one of the primary tacklers almost it's for the Browns defense. He, he was making a lot of nice plays and, you know, they, he went out and got paid because of that. So having, having kind of a bigger bodied defensive back, which I, I think Emerson is almost going to be a fast linebacker in a sense, 
because I, I don't think there's necessarily a, a place for him in the starting rotation. I think all of that is set. But in nickel and dime packages, I think you see him come in as a as a faster linebacker type that can both cover, stop the run and cover tight ends if you need him to. So yeah. I think I think there's some value there. And I, I would imagine that he's going to have some impact on games this year. Yeah, just uh, the Browns love to have versatility in the, in the secondary. And uh, overall, like Newsom, Ward, um, Greedy, they're kind of – they're not the biggest guys. So getting a kind of different type of quarterback out there will be – it'll be kind of nice to add to the in the room. They're, they're really not that big in that room. So getting a guy that's long like him would be a – it's a, it's a nice uh, option for him. Maybe we'll cover tight ends now. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> if they only block. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um, I think I think one of the biggest surprises of the Browns draft is that they they drafted all these guys. All right. Yeah. Historically, right. you don't see teams that are in win now mode make what nine draft picks because there's just not necessarily the roster space for nine rookies because you want to have experienced guys running out there. Were you surprised that they, they made all those picks in the end? Yeah, I was, I've, I've, we haven't picked nine guys in quite a while, I think, but um, yeah, it was kind of surprising. I think the Browns are actually in a position where you're going to see probably a couple of them might not make the roster. Um, You kind of see this happen on some of the good teams that some of their guys, they just don't have enough room. So, um, I think they just wanted to get a, get a lot of body new bodies and with the higher kind of guys, higher price guys on the team now, Watson, Ward, Miles, and all that, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to kind of fill the fill the bottom of the roster with these young guys. So I can definitely see that happening more often now. Yeah, um, just so they can have more options to kind of fill in the bottom of the roster without getting all these kind of uh, kind of veteran veterans to fill in. Um, I think the the last place to go for the Browns draft is what 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 would you think as an overall grade for what they did over the weekend? Um, I'm not a really guy that gives grades, but uh, I would say I would say it's like a B. It's it's what it, like it's they're kind of hamstrung, obviously, with what they were given. Um, in terms of just like the selections of where they were, but overall, what they what they had, uh, I thought they did well. Um, I I I agree with Ethan. Kind of didn't really like the trade down as much. Um, I understood it. I liked the trade, or like the value of what they got in picks wise. But I just I wish they would have gotten maybe one of those kind of receivers that they could have put into the lineup and kind of been able to produce right away. David Bell, hey, David Bell may be the guy. We don't know. We'll see. Uh, but there are just some guys that I really liked at that position. Um, but overall, behind, besides that that decision, I really liked the rest of the draft. I thought they got – they filled some needs. They got receivers. They got some defense alignment. They got a kicker finally. So it, it's uh, – I thought overall it was, it was a good draft. Yeah, I think – for me, it was it was not exactly a draft that you you plaster all over a 
billboard and say, oh, my God, look at all these guys we got. It's so sexy. We have all these great players. No, I think these are guys that are going to make an impact, but it's not going to be a major impact. Like, you're going to see guys that play spot duty and our depth, and and I, I think that's fine. Um, I think the, the trade was definitely confusing. I would not – I would rather have not seen them drop 24 spots out of the second round entirely, like pick someone in the second round, try to get into the second round, but it, it didn't work out that way. And I, I think they still ended up getting players that they wanted. I think the fact that a lot of mocks had them getting Perry on Winfrey at 44 and they got him at what? 108 or yeah. 108. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's, that's pretty crazy. Uh, so yeah, I think I'm right with you on a B. I, I think it's nothing nothing that you're going to shout to the rooftops, but it's not a bad draft. Right. What do you think, Ethan? I would give them a C plus simply because I think what they missed out on in value between 44 and where they eventually took a corner was too much to pass on. Whether you got, like Joe said, that plug and play wide receiver, not that I'm against David Bell by any stretch, but you also missed out on guys like David Ojabo who went to a division rival who could have been a great pair to uh, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa or could have even been potentially like a defensive end outside linebacker hybrid kind of guy who could have made a huge impact as well. So simply for that, I, I kind of have to give it a, a C plus and not understanding, you know, obviously right now the Mike Ford pick, not to, not that I don't believe in Mike Ford. I was a big believer in that Cincinnati Cinderella run, but that kind of, that kind of pick and, and not the cornerback still confuse me. Like I'm still processing all of that. Yeah, I, that's one of those things that I think we'll see in the preseason. Like when these guys get on the field, see in a uniform, we'll see it. And you know, I I I am still living under the impression that Jerome Ford is a replacement for Dearness Johnson. I don't think he's going to be on the roster. Come. Jerome Ford. I'm sorry, Mike Ford. I've been saying <laughs> Mike Ford this whole time. Jesus, <laughs> my God, didn't, didn't want to correct you. Um, well, you should have. Now I look like an ass. <laughs> um. But I think I think he's going to be a depth guy. I, I want to see what he brings in terms of the running back room. I think I, I, I don't know what he he is and like I didn't really watch a whole lot of Cincinnati, so I don't know what he brings. But um, you know, the, with Dearness Johnson and Kareem Hunt both potentially coming out of the books in the next twelve months, drafting a running back now isn't necessarily a bad thing because you're not rushing to get someone up to speed next off season. This is Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast. On Ohio vs. the World, we'll travel back in time with the authors, historians, and even witnesses to visit the most exciting, consequential, and too often overlooked topics that have shaped America's history. There seems to be an Ohio connection to so many important moments. When you said uh, Ohio versus the world, we did some damage. So join us and we'll take a deep dive to enlighten, educate, and entertain you. As Ohio vs. the World makes history fun again. Um, but Ethan mentioned a Jabo who, you know, I, I do, I do like, um, he's probably going to miss most of the season, but he did. Go, who do you, who do you end up going to the, the Ravens? Ravens. Yeah. yeah, naturally. Baltimore um, got a lot of guys. I was like, Oh my God. I hate them. Segwaying to our next topic. Beautifully there, Taylor. Yeah, that was, that, I'm, I'm getting better at those. Um, 
<laughs> Do you think that the the Ravens had the best draft of any anyone in the AFC North? I, I would I would say so. Yeah, just based on they got they got seemed, they got some good. It seemed ones. like they were just the they they were more vultures than Ravens. They were picking up the scraps of right of everyone that was getting passed over, and they were like, "Oh, this is nice. Ooh, right. piece of candy. Ooh, right. piece of candy." Like <laughs> they're just all these guys that are getting pa- passed over. They're they're like, you know what? I'll take that. Right. Yeah. They were just in. There was in so many positions where, like, just guys were kind of falling down the board. Um, I'm looking at their picks now. That it's like they got they they got guys that were some of the top guys in the draft, and it just kind of fell. I I wrote. I kept tweeting or the thing. I I just hate them. <laughs> like they're so good at drafting. <laughs> Like they're like this is an annual every, problem, man. right? Every year it's just the same thing. Oh, here, here's Baltimore getting somebody, especially on defense. Uh, they kind of really pick well. Was Patrick on Queen a year or two ago? It was J.K. Dobbins the year before for me? I mean, yeah, yeah. it's always somebody that they're just. I don't particularly know what they're doing offensively. I don't know who they have to catch passes aside from tight ends. They might just be running so, three tight end, two running back sets the entire season. But, right, and that's what you just hit on right there, because they took two interior offensive linemen, uh, Linderbaum, a center, and another guy from Minnesota. But, you know, I, is all of that... Are they, are they, are they adopting Hamilton the wing T? <laughs> <laughs> they, they did... I, I did hear that they're going back to more three tight end looks, which... Okay, but... Yeah, I, that was I can't only... name another Ravens tight end besides Mark Andrews. They drafted two. <laughs> They drafted two. Yeah, they did. I can't name those guys. <laughs> I can't yeah. either, but I know they drafted two it's, in the uh, same round. Right. Yeah, there it was that's like kind of a thing that's kind of giving me hope a little bit. Like I love their draft, but they, they really didn't address the rod receiver position. And it's it's a it's a dumpster fire, quite frankly. Like it makes the Browns receiver core kind of look really good. <laughs> Like we have yeah. Amari Cooper as their number one. They have nobody. They have Bateman, who I guess they're gonna kind of lean Did heavily on. Did we see on. anything out of him last year that he, makes he us was... a little bit afraid? I know he hey, missed the first six games or so. Right, he but... missed like yeah, like six games or so. But he really he kind of made some spurts and all that. But it wasn't anything to like. Oh, I'm gonna lie. Have I'm gonna put him as my number one and. None but, of it said, well, oh, I'm going to trade Hollywood Brown for this right, guy. Right, <laughs> I, mean, right. I mean, it's not to say that they don't have offensive weapons. It's just that their their entire game is going to be played within five yards of line of scrimmage. Right, yeah, yeah. Like your best receiver by far is Andrews. And, and then J.K. Dobbins, who's a running back. And right. like, yeah, he's probably their second best receiver. Yeah, so, so, <laughs> so this poses an interesting thought exercise then because – Obviously, the Ravens collapsed when Lamar went out last year, and Tyler Huntley did okay stepping yep. in. You know, he put up some decent numbers, but didn't win any games down the stretch to get them into the playoffs. Does adding two interior offensive linemen and knowing that their offensive coordinator still wants to use Lamar as a pocket passer before a rusher, does that do anything for that offense? Or are they going to sputter as much as they did last year despite having more protection for Lamar? He's still not an accurate thrower. No, I, I feel I feel like almost this this draft is an indication that they are they might be scrapping the whole Lamar as a passer kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, because if if you look at the previous year, they kind of it was more to that three tight end look, kind of run 
I think they they had so many injuries preseason wise. They lost Dobbins early. Um, I just I think, think they set that, a world record for most Achilles <laughs> in the first in, in a, a two day span. Yeah, right. I just I just think it kind of threw a wrench in it, and they kind of kind of tried to see what if if he could be the passer. And I think they kind of quickly figured out he is not the pocket passer. You gotta you gotta put put it towards him, kind of do a. Uh, the three tight end look and all kind of short passes and all that. Um, so I think they'll probably lean towards, especially with the personnel, I'm, I'm guessing they'll probably go towards back towards that. Um, but it'd be interesting because teams, teams are getting better at kind of figuring these things out. Like the play action pass rollouts, they defenses kind of figure that out last year. That's, yeah. that's why half the reason Baker couldn't do anything. Um, that he couldn't roll left to save his life because he couldn't turn his body. Right, right. He didn't have a left. <laughs> yeah, the left yeah. side of his body was dead. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they go. I feel like the Steelers had a very Steelers draft. Um, I we can get to pick it in a moment, but I think they drafted receivers that are stereotypical receiver Steelers guys. They drafted some defensive players that are stereotypical receivers or Steelers guys. But I think that whole draft is going to depend on whether or not Kenny Pickett is worth a damn. Captain Small Hands. I I don't know. (laughs) I I don't know how to evaluate it because, you know, I I was team punt the Panthers to the sun if they drafted him at six. But I think they also could have gotten him – two rounds later based on everything else based on yeah based on what we saw <laughs> it's really yeah. funny that you say that too because the Steelers like the Bengals had a very mediocre draft in my opinion but they won it in free agency cementing their offensive line the way that they did and they're gonna be an absolute monstrosity yeah, I don't, next I don't, year now I don't think the pa- I don't think the but, Bengals needed to have a great draft I think they just needed to no. not have a dumpster fire draft no they did everything right in free agency after the Super Bowl to cement themselves but the Steelers their very blatant problem last year was offensive line. And like the Bengals the year before them, they did nothing to solidify that. They did nothing to help out their new stud running back who can do it all like what Beyond Bell did for them. But it, now you have Kenny Pickett and a wide receiver. Kenny Pickett's going to be roadkill if you throw him out there with nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I didn't like the Pickett, uh, the Pickett pick. There you go. See that? Yeah, I, I did it. We come full circle now. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like that. I didn't think any of them. I, I didn't think he was a first round guy. Um, I, I thought Willis was better, and I thought he could. He he would have been a, a better pick. I still shouldn't. I still don't think they should have went quarterback. As you can see, the no one took a quarterback until the third round. So, I think they could have got him in the second round. Either of them, we'll see. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just I, I I didn't I just don't think they have enough guys around them to kind of put them in there, and I think they'll probably lean on Trubisky, maybe kind of throw him to the fire. But but do you yeah, probably waste wins a year the job? Pickett? I mean, Pickett's what twenty four or twenty three? Right. Yeah. It's it's that's why I I I love the pick as a Browns fan. I love because yeah. I would have I would have been absolutely scared out of my mind if they drafted Willis to be honest because he's one of those high ceiling guys that 
would work for them. Right. Even Just if like he Lamar doesn't work anywhere yeah. else, he would have worked. We've like, also seen Lamar shred us for the last couple of years. Yeah. Right. That's, yeah. A, that's a whole other nightmare scenario. But right. Yeah. yeah. To be fair, really, Lamar didn't shred us for the five quarters he played against us this year. That's true. Well, yeah. he didn't have to take an emergency dookie this year. That was the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, uh, I, I, I just think, I, like, something that they, some of the, I think some of the teams are actually banking on is just next year's quarterback class is, is supposed to be, which I think it will be one of the best ones in quite a while. Um, you got, you got the hot state kid Stroud and you got Alabama guy um, young and there's a couple other guys um, and just kind of picking a kind of, kind of a guy this year will kind of miss out on next year. And yeah. I, I just don't think, I don't think it was worth the worth the pick there. And just as a Browns fan, I I, I like it <laughs> because it's kind of they're clearly the, the worst team in the in the division in yeah, terms I, of what I, I think. I kind of hope they're stuck in quarterback purgatory for a while now. Right, they deserve it. Would be, it. It, would, it would be nice. They deserve it. <laughs> I, I do love uh, that. It's Matt Canada said they wanted a more mobile crew. Guys, they went out and got were Mitch Trubisky and he of the fake slide, Kenny Pickett. <laughs> I know, right? I was like, okay, that that's definitely going to be Willis, and then they go with Pickett. Pickett's a good, yeah. a solid athlete, but it's just it's just weird. It's I, I don't know what I, I I don't know what Pittsburgh's doing, quite frankly. But they'll probably and figure okay out with that. because they have. Tomlin, they'll probably figure out how to win seven games or something like that. <laughs> yeah, Tomlin and Harbaugh, man, they're like cockroaches. <laughs> they, they got he's got to figure out how to win nine games to keep his streak going. <laughs> that would be hard. I, I I don't see that happening, but we'll see. Yeah, I I, I can't imagine that's going to happen. To be honest, I, I don't I don't know where Trubisky's Vegas is going to put their over under for them. But yeah, I mean they have no offensive line, and Trubisky's still allergic to the left half of the field, so. What 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 are you gonna do unless every play is a play action rollout to the right with a wide open wide receiver? I mean, we saw last year what happens with it when you play with a quarterback with zero arm strength. You throw the ball two yards upfield and hope for the best. Yeah. Hey man, whole, he, he had several games where he was fifty of seventy for a hundred yards. <laughs> the whole he did pretty damn good. Collapses. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the since we're kind of on the topic, um, I think the most enduring story of this draft is going to end up being what happened to the quarterbacks. I don't think we've ever seen this kind of draft where, well, maybe in 2013, that was kind of the comparison point, but you know, you had guys that were up until the last few days before the draft, people thought Willis might go in the top 10. People thought that Pickett might go in the top 10. And then all of a sudden you're getting past all these teams that need quarterbacks. And you're like, well, now what? <laughs> and Pickett goes at 20, and then we don't see Willis until what? When, when did he end up going? And Desmond uh, Ritter, I think, went Brown. before him. And, and Ritter went before yeah. him, didn't he? Yeah. Ritter so, did go before him to Atlanta. Which is so <laughs> what What do you think was the reason we that the general draft populace kind of missed so badly on these quarterbacks in terms of laying out their value? So I think, I think it was – kind of a few things so i think i think everyone knew this class was not very good um it was quite there's no one that i knew 
that I respected um, that was kind of high on these drafts. Like, there's like a lot of potential with with Willis, but like overall, it wasn't. No one really liked it, and it was more people just okay. Someone's got to take a quarterback. There's all these te- needy teams that need this quarterback, but I think teams just figured out like it's just not worth it, except for Pittsburgh, which was nice, but. Um, it, it just wasn't worth it. And, and just based on that talent and then the talent next year, I, I think it was just, it just kind of a culmination of all that and just not making any sense of wasting a draft pick when you know, when you know your evaluations, you know that they're just, it's just not worth it and they're not good enough. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if this is going to be a, like almost a turning point for the league into not overdrafting quarterbacks. Like, no one took the bait this year. <laughs> no, uh, Ethan, Ethan's shaking his head. But, yeah. you know, I, I wonder if the people are just not going to take the bait anymore and draft guys that should be going in the second and third round at 14. Yeah, I don't I, think I, that's I, ever going to be a thing, man. I, or, the, to me, this is all pretty standard. You know, teams are pumping up their sources to try and throw some smoke on the trail and – ESPN is obviously going to keep pumping quarterbacks because that's what moves the needle on their ratings. So it didn't matter that it was a weak class. Of course, that's all they were going to talk about. Nobody's yeah. going to talk about Perry on Winfrey being a steal at 108. They're going to talk about how Kenny Pickett was taken at 20. If he doesn't produce, then that's Kenny Pickett's fault. Or, right. you know, Desmond Ritter might be the most productive quarterback in this class with Atlanta. It, it just, it's going to be one of those weird years where it was just a weak draft class, but people had to keep the position relevant because that's what moves the needle. Yeah. They had to be taken because the position has to be filled on the field. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> I thought the, I think the veteran kind of quarterbacks out there too, could be something like they maybe didn't want to allude to it right now. Like both Jimmy Garoppolo and Baker Mayfield. Um, they're just kind of floating in the ether right waiting for a team that might be something that those teams kind of have in the back of their mind they don't want to do it right now kind of um do that right now so maybe maybe that's something else they can they actually had in their in their mind i will say in defense of the quarterback class this year i did see a tweet uh when the the patriots took bailey zap in the draft this year (laughs) somebody had said he looks like a thicker case keenum and the first comment on the tweet was queso keenum and i want that nickname to stick so bad (laughs) (laughs) oh that is great nice so he is my current favorite uh future mac jones backup quarterback queso keenum aka bailey zap that is great Oh man, we can we can also start the rumor that uh, Kenny Pickett has to eat on the eat off the Permani Brothers kids menu because he can't fit the sandwiches in his hand. How many how many <laughs> how many posters at Browns games and Ravens games are there going to be that you know that picture with the guys holding that burger <laughs> in small hands? That's going to be just there, plastered all over. There's going to be an entire group of Browns fans that show up to the Muni lot dressed up as the SNL sketch where it's Kristen Wiig with the tiny doll hands just trying to hold a beer and drink it, and they're just going to be wearing picket jerseys, and that's going to be great. <laughs> great. Oh, I can't man. wait. <laughs> okay. Well, I think we're approaching an hour and I think we've covered about everything that we can. Um, obviously I think Joe, this is where I'd give you a chance to plug what you're doing in the next few weeks, but I think you're going to go on a nice sabbatical and not think about down. football for a little while. 
<laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, I'll probably have something this week. I, I have another podcast tomorrow with Josh, and then I'll do a kind of breakdown of just how I thought the class was, is. Um, and then, yeah, kind of go on a little break, and uh, then we're almost back to football season. So Yeah, I mean, you got, what, two months, and then we're talking about preseason. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you got about eleven days, and then we have to do the schedule game. So. Right? Yeah. So I'll be back for that, and then uh, yeah, I know football season seems like it never ends. Football never ends. The NFL is king of making a product that lasts twenty weeks a year round right. spectacle. That's right? They have a freaking they have a freaking show for the schedule release. It's <laughs> funny. And, my my, my fiance my fiance will come into me come in come into the room and see me watching various sporting events nfl related or not and she was like does sports ever end <laughs> is there ever, do we ever have just a break <laughs> and as i'm sitting watching a nascar race in the middle of march nope <laughs> <laughs> that was the weird thing during the pandemic when there was like days it was weeks and weeks without anything that was it was just a weird time time didn't exist <laughs> <laughs> there was no sports <laughs> like what am i supposed to watch what do I do with my hands? I guess I'll watch The Office again. Right. I literally watched The Office. <laughs> what did I watch during the pandemic? I don't even remember what I watched during the pandemic. I literally watched uh, like a movie a day, I think. Like, see, that was, was a good time to catch up on that. Right. Yeah, definitely. I I, I had my uh, fiance watch all 20 whatever MCU movies during that time span. We did it, actually. We did that, too. And now, now, now she has an entire wall dedicated to WandaVision. So, oh, nice. <laughs> but since we have completely diverted off the topic, I think this is a good place to wrap up. Uh, thanks for coming on, Joe. I'm yeah, sure. No I'm sure once we get into actual football grievances come this season, we'll we'll have you get you you on and you get to rant on whatever whatever is eating you about the Browns that that particular week. Yeah, yeah, I'll be glad to. Ethan, you can you you want to you want to take twenty seconds to congratulate Fran Mel Reyes for actually hitting a baseball today. I would love to, but it didn't necessarily break a slump because he struck out immediately afterwards. So (laughs) we'll talk about that more on the WFNY (laughs) Cornercast later this week about how we went from losing seven straight to sweeping the Oakland Athletics. Not that that's a crowning achievement or anything, but... If you sleep the Athletics and 17 people watch it, did you actually sleep the Athletics? <laughs> this is I don't a... know if we necessarily slept them or if we ethered them, ethered them after that first game. <laughs> this is the weirdest season ever, man. They just keep sweeping or get swept. <laughs> that is true, but I will say I'm very disappointed. They won three games in Oakland, and I didn't see a single one of those damn feral cats that's allegedly groups in that Coliseum. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh my god! Are there more feral cats in the in the stadium than people? Maybe there probably were at some point during this series. Yes, probably. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, th- thanks for coming on, Joe. Ethan. Yeah, no problem. I'll I'll probably text you <laughs> in twenty minutes. We're going to be talking about these feral cats. That's what we're going to be doing. <laughs> okay. If if you've made it this far. Once again, hi, Mom. Um, (laughs) This has been The Grievance Room, episode 10, and we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening.
History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.